Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. This morning, and this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but I want you to get something today that God has for you. As I was preparing this week, um, I really, uh, I had an opportunity this week to get out of town for a couple of days and go to my favorite place in the world and sit on my uh, favorite swing and pray and talk to the Lord beside a waterfall uh, that we go to every year. Some people ask me, was it the one you fell down and broke your back on? No, it wasn't that one. Uh, I will go back there one day, uh, <laughs> but not today. Um, but as I was praying and preparing for this, God was really just bringing my mind, centering my mind back on basics. And I want you to understand, it's the basics that will carry you through. Uh, while, while, we were, while we were traveling this week, we, we got a chance to uh, see the Atlanta Braves play some baseball, and it is amazing. They do the same thing the same way every time. I love watching everything about I love watching them prepare the field. I love watching them drag the dirt and pretty the dirt. I love watching them paint uh, the first third base lines in the batter's box. They do the same thing the exact same way every time. The starting pitcher got in the outfield, and for people that don't know baseball, you, you'd be wondering, what is the starting pitcher in the outfield? Because he's doing the same thing he does every time. He got closer. He, he got from me to that screen of the catcher, and they were throwing the ball this way. And then he just started backing up. And I told my kids, I said, watch what's going to happen. They're going to do soft toss. Then, then, then they're going to get longer and longer. And by the time uh, they were done, they were stretched out across that outfield, and the starting pitcher, baseball players throw baseballs different than normal human beings throw baseballs. Normal human beings, the further you have to throw it, the more arc you have to put on it. That's not how baseball players, they, they just put more power on it, and that thing comes in like a laser. And, and this guy was throwing a ball uh, literally 250 feet, just, and it never got below, higher than eye level. But the same thing. Over and over, batting practice the same way, grounders the same way, throwing it to first the same way. And it reinstilled in my mind, we have got to be good at the basics of Christianity. And sadly, many people don't even know the basics of Christianity or they're not practicing the basics of Christianity. So as I begin to pray and uh, talk to God and seek God, okay, so where is the basics that we need to start with, and God took me to this familiar passage in Matthew twenty-two thirty-five. Listen to the word of the Lord. The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-five, one of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled simply, Worship. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for each person who's come here today, God. I pray that you'd anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. And I pray that you would give us ears today to understand what the Spirit says. Teach us, God, is my prayer today from your word, by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to realize how important worship is. Uh, I think if we took a preliminary survey, if I would have asked you before I got started, how many Christians think worship is important, we all would have agreed that worship is important. If I would, I could have asked the same thing about prayer or Bible study or giving or soul winning or uh, impacting uh, the people that you care about, your community, loving each other, and everybody would agree to all those things that are requisite for Christianity. But sadly, I think we would have equally agreed if I'd have said, how many of y'all think that the church, not just this church, when the Bible talks about church, it's talking about all the people of God around the world, whoever existed. I think we would mostly would have agreed that the church doesn't do enough in any of those areas. Not in worship. Not in giving, not in serving, not in act right, do right, be right, live right, give right, serve right, talk right. Um, but I, as I study the Bible, I see how central this theme of worship is, how important worship is. And I want you to think about this subject with me this morning of worship. I'm going to give you a very simple definition we've used before. Worship is just honor and adoration directed toward God. It's just pouring your love out on God. When you say, I worship God, that means that you have to be demonstrating. Say demonstrate. You have to be demonstrating the love that you say you have for him. Because a love that is spoken and not shown is a love that can't be known. You can talk about it, but it doesn't really manifest until you be about it. You see, it's like a spouse that says, I love you, but never does anything to back that up. That, that, that doesn't always fit in somebody's mindset. It, it, we've got to understand the scripture says that we shouldn't just love in words. We should love in actions. So if worship is about showing our love to God, and it is, should that just be about words or should there be some action too? we got to have some action to this thing. So it's the action, the activity, the demonstration, the outworking of how much you really love God. I, I forget, I should have looked it up, um, I forget who it was, some, some great Christian conqueror going city to city, uh, taking the gospel to all these villages, and he told his men, let's go in and win the entire city to Christ. And then he said this, and use words if you must. You get that? Now, if you're that kind of person that, that says, as my stepfather told us when we were growing up, which was horrible then and still horrible today, don't do what I do, do what I say, then you're a walking contradiction and, and, the, and the rankest of hypocrites. And you're not going to impact anyone with that false form of leadership we've got to show outwardly what we say we have inwardly is this making sense to anybody yet it's, it's going to come together for you hang in there with me but this concept of worship dominates the bible and in john 
chapter 4, Jesus is talking to this woman at the well who's got a lot of church in her. And sometimes people have too much church in them. What, what do I mean by that? You can never have too much church in you if you're saved and growing closer to God. But if you're not saved and all you have is church, then that's a bad, that's a bad setup. That's a bad formula. Too many people come to church and know how the church does stuff, but they never got truly saved, so they don't know how God does stuff. This was one of them types of women here, and she's talking about religion, and Jesus is talking to her about the Father, and he tells her that the Father is seeking worshipers, but in John 4, 24, he says that those that worship God must worship God in two ways, two simple words. Uh, many of you know those words. you you got to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, here's the crazy thing. The world thinks they worship God however they want to. And we're going to see that that is a falsehood. God is not so desperate for worshipers that he'll just take anything that people throw at him. You see, the Bible talks a lot about worship, and it defines it as acceptable and unacceptable. You'll see these words over and over and over if you study worship throughout the Bible. Acceptable and unacceptable. It, it's just like any job. There's an acceptable way to do things, and there's an unacceptable way to do things. We stopped at McDonald's while we were traveling on the road, uh, walked into some little uh, place somewhere, and is a McDonald's. It, it might have been, it wasn't in a truck stop. I hate those things. You, don't eat at restaurants in convenience stores okay that's trouble there uh but it was next to one and i walk in walk right up to the counter the girl's talking to the person next to her i walk up she doesn't say anything to me and this happens quite often because you know we eat out every day and she just looks at me and i just look back at her she says yeah i said oh oh okay I was just waiting on you. I thought you were going to say something like, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? Or what would you like to have today? Or what can I ring up for you? I thought there might be some training protocol in here that demanded that you, you talk first. I was waiting my turn. There's an acceptable way to greet me at McDonald's. Kept an eye on him while he made my food, too. Because <laughs> there's an acceptable way to get back at customers that you don't like. People say, Pastor, you shouldn't, you shouldn't sweat them people to handle your food. Man, I eat out so much. I've, I've swallowed so much spit and hair on my, I don't even care. That word is care, by the way. Please stop saying, on cur. You don't cur, I don't even cur. That's not even a word. That word that word appears nowhere in the English. I don't even cur. What? How would you even spell that? Anyway, get back to the scripture. Jesus told this woman. Her concepts were wrong. She was trying to get to God the wrong way. She was trying to go through form and format and tell God, Jesus told her, God, the Father is looking for worshipers, and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I want you to really understand that even inside the church, 
people have played with this concept of worship to the point where they think that anything goes. It's amazing. Uh, if you spend any time talking to people or if you look at anybody's social media or if you watch the news, you'll see the same people who will be cursing, talking about uh, all this drama that they're going through, all, all this wild living that they've been doing all weekend, and then they'll throw something on there uh, about how much they love God and ain't God good. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if you said that when you was naked at your, at your, at your, at your friend's wife's house. What's going on? People think that God is so desperate for fellowship that he's going to just take any level of foolishness. I want you to know, if you don't get anything today, get this. God is not desperate for your love. God is not desperate for your love. You may, see, here's the problem. There, there are abusive people in the world today, more than ever, especially in the form of relationships. There are abusive people out there today that think they can treat their woman any kind of way and she just be glad to have what love they get. Now, she might be broken emotionally and she received that from you. There's some beta men out there that, that just woman stomp all over and talk, treat them bad all over the time. And they just accept. Listen, God is not broken. God is not insecure. God is not wounded. God is not desperate. God is not needy. God is not clingy. And he ain't taking just any old kind of whatever you decide to throw to him. If you don't bring it right, he don't want it. See, this is why we have empty seats at Abundant Life. This is the anti-message to the big church message. This is the anti-message to the mega church message. Because the mega church message is, friends, God loves you. And we're so glad you came to Lakewood today. And God sees your heart. And he knows. He knows your struggle. He knows you're not drinking as much as you used to, and he's so proud of you. And he knows you're gay on the inside. But that's okay. That's the big church message. That, 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 that's, that's, the, that's the can't find a seat or a parking. Listen, you always get a seat at Abundant Life. And you'll hear the truth out of God's unadulterated word. God is not desperate for love. He's not desperate for worship, and he will not take dirty-handed worship. He will not take unclean worship. He will not take unacceptable worship. This is the word of the Lord. I, find, I mean, it's just crazy the way people live, and then they want to throw God a bone every now and then and act like, okay, I did my penance. Christianity is not about doing penance. Christianity is about an all-out love affair with, with God. And that is why worship is so important. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says, And so, dear brothers and sisters... Now, we talk a lot about how to understand the Bible at Abundant Life because we're a Bible church. I tell you all the time to pay attention to what? 
the punctuation and to look for certain words that will help you understand Scripture. So it says, and so. That means there's more. <laughs> this guy has been talking for 11 chapters, but not done yet. And so then in between these commas, he says, dear brothers and sisters. Now, in Scripture, typically when the Bible uses this type of verbiage, dear brothers and sisters, the writer is primarily talking to who? Christians. So he's talking to Christians, and he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Then look what it says at the end. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship. This is the true way to worship him. Now, if this is truly the way to worship him, what is that telling us, Bible students? That there's a false, if there's a true way to worship him, there must be what? A false way to worship him. If there's a right way, then there's a wrong way. And the scripture tells us that this is the true way. This is truly the right way to worship him. And here's what it is. And, and this, see, they understood this 2,000 years ago. We gloss over it in 2019. He said, give your bodies to God for all he has done for you. We ought to understand that. You ought to want to serve God for what he's done for you. If you're one of those people sitting back thinking God has shortchanged you, he hasn't given you all that you deserve, that life has been harder to you than, than it should have been, uh, then listen, you don't understand how much God did for you at Calvary. And that's a different sermon for a different time. But he goes on to say to let your bodies, because it's talking about your bodies, let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice. That's the part we gloss over in 2019 because we don't see sacrifice they were used to seeing animal sacrifices when they thought sacrifice they thought something was had his throat slid open was bleeding out thrown up on an altar being licked up with fire ascending up in smoke to God all right that's sacrifice in Hebrew mind now here is what God is saying to us the sacrifice they did they killed the animal then they put the animal on the fire and let it be consumed for God's purpose. Uh, that would be gross <laughs> if we did that in today's world because that would smell bad, right? Burn, go ahead and, and, and think about that. Burning animal uh, flesh, hair, uh, all that. that. That wouldn't smell good. But think about it. He's telling us to do that. This is human. Say human. Okay, now, if I had to give myself a sacrifice as a sacrifice to God, so that I could be accepted to God and have eternity in heaven, I'm in. I'm in. You know, I lay my head down on a guillotine, uh, step, 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 you know, climb up on a horse, let you slap him on the butt, hang me, shoot me in the preferably shoot me in the head uh, over that. But whatever it has to be, because people say that, when people say, I die for the Lord, I always laugh on the inside. And somebody say, oh, I die for my family. Oh, I'd die for my belief. I'd die for my faith. I'd die for my brothers in Christ. I, I would die. Uh, dying's easy. Dying's easy. It don't take long to die. I've seen people die. Uh, die dying, once, once dying happens, it's over. I mean, dying typically takes, especially in a sacrifice process, you slit the throat, you bleed it out. That's a wrap. Now, it doesn't sound like fun. It wouldn't be enjoyable, but at least it's over. Look deeper till you, you can get where I'm going with this. 
He didn't say just to be a sacrifice because that indicates you get killed, thrown on the altar, and consumed for God. This is a living and a holy sacrifice. So you got to live holy while being burnt up and consumed and in the fire all day, every day, every minute for the rest of your life as your life is consumed by God. It's another reason we got empty chairs here. Real truth, kind of scary. Real truth, kind of deep. But God is not looking for people to come by and roast a marshmallow on the altar of sacrifice. God is not. See, people come to God when they want a little feel good, when they're in a jam, when, 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 when they know that they need some, something from the Lord. Real Christians, real, once you get past that, because everybody goes through that, but once you really fall in love with God, once you really get saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and love Jesus for real, you don't go to the altar to warm your hands. You go to the altar to crawl up on it and say, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You get on that altar and you say, whatever you want from me, God, you just take me, use me, consume me, use me up, whatever. See, once you start growing in Christ, you, you stop feeling like, I, I don't know if I want to go do that. I was just there yesterday. Uh, I, I, they ain't go, I, I don't want to go be the only one doing that again and you just say you know what just time to get back up on the altar use me up God it's just time for me to be a living sacrifice how long do you think God wants us to endure this living sacrificial always on the altar always bleeding out always burning up always being consumed for his glory how long do you think that process is going to last your whole lifetime this is the word of the Lord. This is real Christianity. And, and for people who love God, they're like, let's get in it. Let's go. Turn the heat up. I, I want to be first in. I'm diving, I'm diving in the hot side. Why? Because you know all that he's done for you. See, one, one, one translation says this is your reasonable sacrifice. This is something, it's not unreasonable. To, to give you everything to God? Some people wonder, well, why do those people have to be at church all the time? Why do they give their money to church? Why would they go up there and clean the church? They don't even clean their own house. Why are they trying? They, they, they don't even have food in their own cupboard. Why are they going up there giving food? They, 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 it doesn't make sense to them. Why would they come back on Sunday night uh, when, when, when they've been there all day Sunday at the longest preaching service in the world? Why, why, why would they do all that? Because they realize everything God's done for them. One Christian song said, it's a tiny offering compared to Calvary. Nevertheless, I lay it at your feet. It's such a tiny offering. Your life on an altar as a living sacrifice bleeding out, 
being burnt up, being used up, being consumed, dying a living death to yourself all day, every day for your entire lifetime. If you rightly understand Calvary, then you can say as the saints of old have said, it's a small price to pay. It's a tiny offering compared to Calvary. When I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me, you ought to realize 24-7, 365 is not enough time for me to show God how much I love him. Empty seats. That's what that'll get you. You mean God wants all of me all the time? Yes. You mean I can't just live for myself 50% of the time and live for God 50% of the time? I tell you what, why don't you go to Grandmama's Thanksgiving dinner, put both hands in sewage, Wash one of them and come to the table. And tell grandma, hey, I'm half clean. Sit down on her little doily tablecloth. I tell you what, why don't you go stomp around in the mud all day long? Go to grandmama's new house with the, listen, not very smart white carpet. Just saying. Splash around in the mud all day long. Only rinse off one foot and tell grandmama, you ought to be glad I at least rinsed off one foot. I could be tracking all this mud through your house. You think she's taking that? Grandmama ain't taking half clean, and neither is God. You wouldn't even try to treat grandmama's tablecloth like that. You wouldn't try to treat her white carpet like that. But we, people think they can live any kind of way all week long, get half cleaned up, come to church, and offer God just a little bit of something, and then go back to doing what they were doing. This is just not how it works, y'all. That's not real Christianity. If you want real, listen, if that's what you want, if that's what you really want, go to the big church. Let them tell you how awesome you are because you come to church three times a month. And be, be that. You'll never know a close, intimate, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll never have peace that passes all understanding. You'll never have joy like a river. You'll never have the anointing of God on your life. And the biggest, the biggest reality is you probably won't make heaven. I'm not saying you have to go to a particular church to go to heaven. I am saying that you have to be truly saved to go to heaven, and you've got to love God more than you love yourself. See, you, you, know, what, you know what makes a, a great wife? Uh, someone who loves her man more than she loves herself. You know what makes a great husband? Someone who loves his wife more than he loves himself. Let me, let me, let me get off that because some of y'all don't want to agree with that. Uh, but, but you understand being a parent. You know, you know what makes parents so awesome? Because real parents love their kids more than they love themselves. I wonder, do you love God more than you love yourself? See, the world thinks they can just do whatever they want to do. And give God the leftover. But God didn't give us his best on Calvary. So we could just toss any kind of thing to him. We got to worship God in an acceptable way. But before we get into uh, the outline I'm going to give you today, uh, I need to make sure that we all understand that worship's only for Christians. Lost people can't worship God. 
Lost people can enjoy church. Lost people can enjoy preaching. Lost people can enjoy information. Lost people can enjoy music. Lost people can enjoy the art of performance. Lost, lost people can enjoy fellowship. Lost people can enjoy philanthropy, charitable giving. Lost people can enjoy goodness and good works and being a decent person, but they cannot worship God because worship is something that comes out from within, and it's got to be on the inside to come out on the outside. In Proverbs 21, 27, the Bible says it like this. The sacrifice of an evil person is detestable, especially when it's offered with the wrong motives. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. But how many people, don't raise your hand, but I wonder if you understand, outside of the forgiveness of God, we're all evil people. The scripture says that everyone's heart is deceitfully wicked, capable of so much violence. If you really want to know um, how bad the human condition is, get around some folk that work with people for a living. You'll find out. People are whack and capable of some really vile stuff. Now, that's easy to, to agree with and understand, but I wonder if you can be humble and honest enough to admit that apart from Jesus Christ, you are evil and capable of some really bad stuff. That's all of us. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. The Bible says that, we, we, that all of our righteousness, the very best that we can do, is as filthy rags to our holy God. So when I read this, it says the sacrifice of an evil person is detestable. Well, I know, even as Paul said, there, 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 there's evil on the inside. But God looks at, once you get saved, God stops looking at you in your evil, and he starts looking at you as his child. So this isn't as much about perfection as it is about relationship. But look at the second half of the verse. He said, especially when it's offered with wrong motives. I sometimes see what you do for the Lord but I seldom can see why you do what you do for the Lord. That's why the scripture says that as people we look on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Your sacrifice to God can only be acceptable to him if you have a relationship with him. You might think it's cute uh, if somebody runs up to you and calls you uh, mommy or daddy. Now, uh, ha having... Uh, raised my kids in Jessica's house and being around uh, her family a lot and being around the Johnson family a lot, uh, I, I have learned something about the Hispanic culture. Now, I found out, you know, with all this wild, crazy, insane, retarded, backwards-thinking, anti-Christian behavior of political correctness in America today, uh, and that was a mouthful to say they're, they're, they're nuts, there are universities that are taking words out of all of their literature. Um, one, one of the words that they decided, they were taking out he and she, because what about they? Well, they is either a he or she. I don't want them to, but if they pulled their pants down, I could tell you what they are. Um, but they're also taking the word Hispanic out because they thought that was a triggering word. I thought, I, I, most Hispanic people, I know love being Hispanic. But anyway, I learned something about Hispanic culture uh, over the last decade plus. Um, 
It's the only culture I've been exposed to where they're just likely to call anybody mom or dad. Poppy? Ooh, Poppy. They call their children Poppy. I don't understand it. But you might think it's cute if some little kid ran up to you calling you mom or dad in church because you're like a church mom. Okay, I get that. Uh, or, or you're like a father figure to them. I, I get that. But if they came to your house and told you you had to buy them a car and pay their insurance, that's when you'd be like, mm, I don't know you like that, dog. <laughs> hey, Poppy, that's cool. Pay your car payment? Nah, that's where we draw the line. You better go tell your daddy to pay your car payment. Get you a job. See, relationship has to be real to get to that kind of level. And, and you might talk to God like you know him in front of people. You might have some God verses in your mind. You might have some religious jargon that you can spew out. But when it comes down to what's real, at home alone, God knows who are his and whose aren't his. And you got to have a real relationship with God, and, and you got to offer things with the right heart. I told you before, we can't worship God while living lives of, of in and out. I've never seen or even read about, because obviously I've only been alive uh, 50, 56 years next week, um, but I've read about the history of the Lord's church, and I've never seen any portion, any time in history where people went to church and talked about God as much as they do now. I've dubbed the, the, that lifestyle doing both. People think they can do both. They think that they can live for themselves all week long, live mean, hateful, carnal lives of selfishness and personal agenda, and then offer God a little something. Uh, they're, they're trying to do both. God don't do both. God doesn't take both. God, 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 Jesus said, if you don't love me more than you love everything else, you're not worthy to follow me. Mm, that's why we got empty seats. When we talk about worship, we talk about something we give to God. Say give. Here's, here's what most people want. Most people want God to give something to them. Most people are looking for God to come through for them. Most people are looking for God to bless them. And I get that. And I want God to give you stuff. I want God to bless you. I want God to come through for you. I want God to do great things for you. But I also want you to realize that he's already done. The Bible says he hath done great things he's already done great things he did great things when he put the earth right where he put it you can get on these rocket ships if you want to to mars let me tell you something it'll take you about five years to get there you're gonna get there and be old you just want to go to sleep one day and wake up tomorrow five years older you'll miss some stuff uh plus they're never gonna be able to get you back they've already said that how about that for a trip if you go, you can't come back. Listen, pe people want to do all this crazy stuff. Pe people, they, 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 wanna, they, they, they want to live life in a, a wild way and think that they can give this part, chase this part, do this weird thing, and add God on the side. It just doesn't work like that. We, we've got to give everything that we have to God. And I wonder this morning, is there anything in your heart that really says... I want to give him everything. I want to live my whole life for him. I want him to be not just a part, but I want him 
to be my everything. Because that consuming, selfless desire to give God all that you are, that is the heart of worship. It, it starts with the giving of ourselves, then of our attitudes, then our possessions, until worship is a complete way of life. I want to talk to you about this, this, this pattern, this, this three-dimensional pattern of worship, uh, these three areas of acceptable worship, and I want you to think about them with me in the time we have left. Uh, number one, the outward dimension. Say outward. outward. The, the worship, I want you to see worship in a 3D format today. I want you to see worship as three-dimensional, and I want you to see that there is an outward dimension where worship is reflected in how we behave toward other people. Our love for God, that's what worship is. Okay, say love for God. Our love for God is reflected, can be seen in how we behave toward others. Romans 14 talks about watching out for a weaker brother's uh, feelings and for their conscience and not doing some things that even are okay for you to do because it offends somebody else, putting other people before you. That's, that's an acceptable way to show worship in the outward dimension. Romans 15 tells us that evangelism is an acceptable form of worship, sharing the gospel with other people. That's outside of you. That's outward dimension. That's an acceptable form of worship. Philippians chapter 4 tells us that giving to those in need is an acceptable act of worship. So worship in the outward dimension can be expressed by sharing love with fellow believers, by sharing the gospel with unbelievers, and by meeting the needs of others on a physical level. We can sum it up in a single word. Acceptable worship in the outward dimension is about giving. Say giving. Giving freaks people out. People hear giving in church, they think money. Giving's not always money. In the outward dimension, you need to, you need to give in the outward dimension. Your, your worship needs to be reflected toward others through giving. Giving love, giving compassion, giving time, give, giving conversation, giving listening, give, give, giving friendship. It, it's all about the way you treat other people. It's a love that cares. It's a love that shares. It's a love that's changed you so much you want it to change other people. So without answering out loud, I just want you to think today, how well do you treat other people? You're not a worshiper if you treat people poorly. You're not a worshiper. You're not worshiping properly if you're not treating other people properly because there is an outward dimension to worship where the love that you have for God is reflected on how you treat other people. We didn't read it, but if I'd have read in the opening text of Matthew when Jesus said that the second commandment behind loving God with everything is to love people. That's all part of sharing your love for God. So you got the outward dimension. The, the, ne the next level is the inward dimension. And the second category involves uh, of worship involves our personal behavior. Say personal behavior. Woo, this is where people really want to check out. This is people where people really want to say, oh, you ain't going to tell me how to live, preacher. No, I'm not. I'm absolutely not going to tell you how to live. But I am going to tell you how, what the Bible says you should live. I am going to tell you how the Bible says that you should live your life. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 10, listen to the word of the Lord. Scripture says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you're the light in the Lord. Hear this phrase, walk as children of light. 
For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. You can prove whether or not your worship is acceptable to the Lord by your personal behavior. This is where worship is reflected on the inward dimension. This is how your worship has an effect on other people. If you're really worshiping God, you, you, you're going to be a better person to be around. You're going you're to be a kinder, gentler person to be around. If you're really worshiping God, you're going to have compassion for other people. If you're really worshiping God, it's going it's to show in the outward dimension. If you're really worshiping God, if you're really in love with God, if you're a living sacrifice, if you're just climbing up on the altar every morning telling God, turn the fire up and consume me for your glory, then you are going to change your personal behavior. This is a message that America hates at a high level. Everybody wants to be a victim. Everybody wants it to be somebody else's fault. Everybody wants to blame somebody else. I'm riding home from South Carolina. Uh, Cliff and Julie Bridges send everybody their love. Uh, I'm riding home from South Carolina. They're former deacons and, and longtime members of our church that retired to the mountains. I'm riding home from their beautiful home in the mountains and Seth's in the front seat, and he's telling me something on the phone, and he's holding his phone up, showing me something, and I see blue lights behind me, and I'm like, driving wild white. <laughs> there it is. Let me say something to all y'all driving wild black people. Listen, if you got pulled over because you were speeding, you could say, well, I was speeding, but he only stopped me because I was black. <laughs> well, yeah, my tag was expired, but he only stopped me because I was black. Well, uh, yeah, I had my, my marijuana under the seat, but he only found it because he stopped me while I was black. Even though my taillight was out, I was speeding. My license and registration all that. Listen, he stopped me. I was driving while white, and this black state trooper from South Carolina, big brother. <laughs> my name Trooper Brown, South Carolina. Now, you know, I could have just said, you just want to flex on me, don't you? Because you think I'm a racist. You're just trying to get back. Yeah, I could have went into all of victimhood. I could have started blaming my son. I know you saw that phone glowing in the dark at 1 o'clock in the morning. He, I wasn't holding no phone driving down the road. That was his. I could have went all victim status. I kept both hands on the steering wheel. I said, yes, sir. He said, your tail lights is out. I said, really? He looked inside my car. He said, why don't you just turn them on? <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to talk to him. He was walking off. As I was telling him, I just got the car from the hotel valet. They must have adjusted my auto. I never mess with them light switching that thing. It just stays on auto all the time. I didn't know I was riding down the road for four hours with no taillights on. Trooper Brown knew. I'm trying to give him that speech. He's already in his car, and he took off, off. I mean, he was doing 100 in, in, in nothing flat chasing the next guy. But a lot of people would have played victim right there. Uh, and it, 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 I was tempted to. Y'all got me distracted while I'm driving. Now I'm getting a ticket. You're my insurance going to go over there. This God's honest truth. I ain't had a ticket since the summer of 1995. 
I ain't trying to break my no ticket streak by no South Carolina 400 pound donut burger eating cop. But I didn't play victim. I treated him right. He treated me back right. But people don't want personal responsibility. Now, I have, gotten, I have got pulled over before. I got pulled over speeding one time. The guy asked me what was I thinking, and I just looked at him and said, I'm just stupid. <laughs> and he asked what was going on. He pulled my license, saw I had a ticket in forever, and he just told me to slow it down. Uh, I, I, I could have played victim, and a lot of times there's some, some victimhood going on. But listen, no matter how much you've been victimized, no matter how much you've been wronged or hurt by anybody else or a bunch of other people, you still have to be personally responsible for your life. You have to be accountable for your own behavior. People want to play victim for everything and act like it's everybody else's fault. Now, thanks be unto God, I drive slow. I wasn't speeding uh, while, while I was driving down that road with no, with no taillights on. And why were the headlights on but the taillights weren't on? What kind of retarded engineering? This new car's got me bent. I, I, the headlights were on. How's the rest of it not on? Let me keep moving. Personal behavior. Say personal behavior. Doing good, the Bible says, is an act of acceptable worship. 1 Timothy chapter 2 tells us to pray for others and for us to live right and to do the right thing. You can't be fully worshiping God and living wrong. You can't worship God and treat others wrong. You can't worship God and live wrong. Are you starting to see that there ain't a whole lot of acceptable worship going on in the world? The little bit that people are throwing at God is bouncing off the ceiling and falling back down on them, and that's not what I want for our worship at Abundant Life. It's not what I want for my own personal worship. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that my worship was unacceptable because it wasn't biblical. We got to get our worship right. So you got to wonder, not only how have you been treating others, but how have you been living? There's another relationship affected by our worship, and it's our relationship with God. It's the third dimension, the upward dimension. Say upward. This is where your love for God is reflected to God. It's reflecting how you treat others. It's reflecting how you live your own life. But here is what most people think about uh, worship, that we should offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Now, I love that this verse defines what that word means because most people don't have a clear definition for what praise is. Praise is, is a, a broad concept with multiple uh, defining truths to it, but here is an overriding truth to what praise is. It's the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name. That is you as an individual person opening your mouth and saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Or thank God. Now, if you say, Oh, God, more than you say, Thank God, you're not a worshiper. Or you're not worshiping him accurately. If you say, oh my God. More than you say, thank God. You're not, and I ain't even going to get into that other one that you can use. But here's what the Bible says an acceptable sacrifice is. Continual thanking his name. Thank you, Jesus. Needs to become 
your go-to phrase. It needs to become what you say when you're pausing in your head looking for a word. It needs to become what comes out of your mouth before you just start saying all kinds of crazy stuff. You need to learn to condition your mouth to say, thank you, God. Somebody asks you something crazy, you can, you can be real with it. I mean, you, you can dress it up. You, you, thank you, God, for giving me a right mind so I just didn't tell this person everything I thought in a split second. He just asked me that ridiculous question. But you got to learn how to thank God. The Bible says in everything. How well are you doing in the area of constantly saying? Now, this isn't... Oh, I have a thankful heart. That's just a liar trying to feel good about themselves. That's just somebody pretending to have something they don't really have. Uh, it, this is about action. It's not about words. How often do you really find yourself just honestly saying, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You ought to be thanking God for the people in your life. You ought to be thanking God for the air that you breathe. Oh, earlier I was talking about Mars. I didn't even know how I got on that. But we, God didn't intend on us to go to Mars. We're talking about all the good things God did for us. Do you realize, and I've said it before, but it just blows my mind. It needs to blow yours. That if the earth was any further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. If it's any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If all God ever did for you is put you on a planet where you didn't freeze to death and burn up and have oxygen to breathe, there, there ought to be some thank you Jesus in your mouth. There's too much complaining going on. Democrats hate Republicans. Republicans hate Democrats. Uh, politicians hate everybody and just want to get reelected. That's their goal. Their goal is not to fix anything. Their goal is to get reelected. Uh, and that's all of them. From every, from every stripe and background. Are you more critical or are you more thankful? This exposes your level of worship. And I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to you. Do you thank God for as often as you point out what's wrong with everybody else? The Bible says that this acceptable act in the upward dimension is to constantly be giving thanks to his name. Verse 16 says, but do not forget to do good and to share for, with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So verse 16, these two verses bring these three dimensions together. Doing good, that, 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 that's, that's on the inside, that's you. Uh, sharing with others, that's on the outside. And praising God, that's on the upward dimension. All three of these dimensions come into play if you really want to honor and please God the way the Bible says that your worship can be acceptable. That's every area of our life. And when we, every area of our life is affected by our worship, we can better understand Romans 12, 1. We can better understand this living sacrifice. By living, it means it's not going to be short and painless like it was for the, for, the, for the lamb. It's going to be years. It's going to be all the time. It's going to be how you treat others. It's going to be how you live yourself personally. It's going to be how you relate to God. It's going to be all the time. And when you begin to worship God right in every area of your life, you are going to be glad that he chose you. See, he chose Jesus to be our sacrifice but he chooses us to be a sacrifice to him 
in worship as a living sacrifice. So I'll make it real simple for you. How, how, do, you, how do you get there? Well, you got to do something every day to affect all three areas. Every day. The outward dimension. Do something good for someone else every day. Make that your mission. Do something good for someone else. Help someone. Smile. Shake someone's hand. Say hello. Hold a door. Are y'all noticing people are stopping holding doors? What is going on in this world? You see somebody coming, you're let the door go in their face. Were you raised in a barn? That's the way you treat human beings. You hold a door. Now, so I was so glad. I didn't even get to tell y'all uh, that, that that was good living uh, by that couple. We were going into the ice cream shop, and um, Jacob opened the front door, the first door. It had the two-door system. And so we walk in. He holds the door for me and says, I, I open the second door. Well, as I turn around, I'm going to hold the door for Jake. He walks through, and then I come in last. And Jake's holding the door for this older couple. And they walk in, and they say thank you to him. And I'm holding the door. And Seth's already on the inside, so now our party's broken up. And they say thank you to me, and I let them in. And, and the cash register's here, and the doorway's here. And they peeled off in this direction and turned around and looked at us and told us that way. Just because we held the door for them didn't mean they was going to skip us in line. That's good looking out. That's good, that's good community behavior. You want to make sure your worship is pleasing to God? You want to make sure that you're living the right kind of life for God? Do something good for somebody every day. It's not that hard. Be nice. Be, be, be caring. Listen. To, what if you really listen to someone? Sociologists tell us that the average person, or, or oh, it's like I think 88% of average people do not remember the person's name that just told it to you. I don't know if there's anywhere that's lived out more than in church or than in the business world. You walk up to somebody, hi, I'm Scott. Oh, I'm Bill. Glad to see you. Turn around, walk off. Look, look at what he says his name was. And I know these things. And you're just as guilty. And the reason why they say we don't remember the name of the person that just told us their name is because we're self-obsessed. We're, we're wondering, is my fly down? Does my breath stink? Uh, do, am I supposed to remember this person? What, um, and we're wondering about what we're going to say so hard. We didn't even hear that. I mean, it's, it's not like they, they said their name was some long. Bill. I mean, that's. <laughs> Be nice. Do something nice for people. That'll show your love. That'll show you are a worshiper. And, and it spills out into the outward dimension every day do that every day live a holy life that's the inward dimension do that do that for for you to show God your love take personal responsibility for your life stop playing the victim card stop believing it's everybody else's fault and just decide as for me in my house we're gonna serve the Lord doesn't matter what happened yesterday last month last year the last 50 years Make a decision that says, I am going to be a man of God. 
I'm going to be a woman of God. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to live my life the way God wants me to live my life. That'll show your worship reflected on the inward dimension. And then the big part is the upward dimension. And that's easy. Just be thanking Him all the time. You know, you can't live wrong long if you're always thanking God. If you just always thank you, Jesus, thank, thank, you, ought, you ought to thank God if your car cranks. Because you'll cuss it if it don't. You open that refrigerator and that light bulb's on and that, and that, that food is cold, you ought to thank God. Thank you, God, for this refrigerator, loud as it is. If there's not too much food stuck on your dishes when you take them out of the dishwasher, you ought to thank God for that dishwasher. It's hard to live wrong if you're always thanking God for everything. You ought to thank God for the people in your life. You ought to thank God for it. If, if there's anybody in this world that cares about you at all, you ought to thank God for that. See, some people don't, wouldn't agree with me, but most of us ain't lovable. At your worst, you ain't either. And if God has allowed a human being on this planet to care about you at all, you ought to thank God for that. And if nobody loves you but God, you ought to thank God for that. God said in Jeremiah 29, 13, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. I want us to take massive action, church. I want us to start loving God with our whole heart, searching for Him with our whole heart. I don't think there'll ever be a time where we can totally just tune out all of the world. Men are always going to talk about sports. Women are always going to talk about relationships and kids and emotions and feelings, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> But can we do better spiritually? Can we show the world God's love in a more extravagant way? Can we take more personal responsibility for the actions and the way that we live? And can we spend more time thanking God for everything that he's done? I'm not going to have a big altar call where I tell you to come up here and pray and get right with God. But I hope that today you'll take time and talk to him. change is hard change is hard because it requires effort it's easy to stay the same you don't have to do anything you just keep keep existing but it breaks my heart to see people existing and not living and most people aren't living most people are just existing just getting from one week to the next where God said he wants us to have an abundant life most people aren't living abundantly most people are just dragging through I promise you if you'll give everything you have to God, if you'll start being a true worshiper, if you'll worship Him the right way, if you worship Him so much that it affects the way you treat others, the way you live personally, and the amount of time you spend with Him, I guarantee your life will take on a bigger meaning. Then you'll be living for something bigger than yourself. You won't just be living for you and your own little domain. You'll be living for the God who created everything and the God who loves you more than you can imagine. I've made a determination to spend 
every day for the rest of my life getting to know the one who knows me better than anyone else I want to get to know him better because it still blows me away that knowing everything he knows about me he still loves me and sent his son to die for me knowing all my faults all my failures he never turns away from me he's with me always he never forsakes me and he never forsakes you if you're his child Many of us didn't have fathers to show us deep love. Many of us didn't have fathers to show us unconditional love. Many of us didn't have fathers that showed us the right kind of love. Don't let that skew your thought of God. If you're, if you're a child of God, He loves you so greatly and so dearly that you could never chase Him away. I want you to get to know Him. Get to know Him better. You can't draw near Him with dirty hands and an unclean heart. Change is hard because it takes work. You got to repent. You got to decide, I'm, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to start doing this. Life's short. You'll be at the end of it before you know it. Whether you're 8 or 80, that statement is true. Nobody ever got to the end of their life and said, I wish I would have worked an extra shift. I wish I would have made an extra dollar. I wish I would have worked one more overtime to get double timing. Don't be that person that gets to the end of your life and wonders where it all went. Start living it now. Live it every day. We've all let too much time get past us. The, the, the year is more than half gone. Some of us still remember Y2K. Some of us still remember the 80s, the 70s. Some of y'all like the 70s. I remember the 50s. We can't change the days that we let go by. We can't get back the years that we lived wrong. But we can start today. We can offer our lives to God. And we can search for Him with our whole heart. And we could do the thing in our opening verse when that man came to Jesus and said, What's the big commandment? What's, give me the top one. You're supposed to be in charge of this thing. Tell me the number one commandment. And he said, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And that's what I want us to do. Because if you fall in love with God, everything else will fall in place. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for allowing us to worship you if we do it right. Forgive us, God, for where we've been half-hearted. Forgive us, God, for where we've wasted time. And help us, God, to live every day for your glory as living sacrifices. God, I pray for every unsaved person in this room right now that you'd give them an awareness of their need for true salvation and let them turn to you today. For every Christian, God, I pray that you would draw us closer to you with every breath. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, 
please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.